Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, Board Gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 103, Gumbo Live, the number one-ish Facebook Live talk show dedicated to Board Game. Hey, on Tuesday nights at 8.30, we're holding on to the top spot in our, in our time slot, so we'll call it that. Our special guest tonight, Josh Lobkowitz of Travel Buddy Games, the Great Barrier Reef card game, which is out, well, it's a long name, and it's out on Kickstarter right now. Board Game Gumbo, a proud member of Punchboard Media. Check out some of our other fine members like Draft Mechanic Podcast, Jake and Danielle Bach. They've got a podcast about beer and board games and anything they can do to tie those two together, Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Hit us up on social media tonight, on Twitter or on Facebook, at Board Game Gumble, and Josh Lukovitz and I will be looking for your questions in the chat. But enough blather. Let's get right to our special guest. Hopefully he's coming up here. Josh, there he is. Hey, man, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's been a while since we see each other, uh, I guess, Gen Con last time. Yeah, probably. Because yeah. I haven't been to a convention since then, and you have, but we haven't seen each other. Hey, look, I know you get pitched all the time because I actually watched you get pitched at Gen Con at one of the tables. I don't think it was this game. It was something else. So give us the elevator pitch. Who is Josh Lovkovitz, and what is Travel Buddy Games? I, uh, man, I think that trying to sell myself that way is harder than trying to sell a board game. But, um, I mean, I can, I can drop it down to a, to a couple sentences. Uh, so travel buddy games is, is the merging of my two biggest passions, which are, uh, board games and travel. Uh, and so that tells you a little bit of what you need to know about me. Uh, I've been in the board game industry for six years now, primarily with gray Fox games and have now started travel buddy games as my own kind of side project. Uh, and when I can get away from uh, conventions and the and the publishing life, I do like to get out into the world and uh, and travel as much as I can. And kind of prior to doing the board game thing, I did freelance writing, which fit in well with travel. I lived abroad uh, in both the Netherlands and China, and uh, and now I'm I'm back here doing this thing and uh, and trying to bring bring those things together. So, so normally, the Chad crew can vouch for me. Normally, I have a little Disney uh, water bottle here, my little Cardinado Springs. I, I brought this one just for you. I got Zion National Park here. I got uh, uh, Moab, Utah. So a little bit, not maybe, nice. maybe not as exotic as China or, or living in the Netherlands, but, you know, just but something to you're rocking. Talk. You're rocking the Nalgene. I'm rocking right. the Nalgene. This thing has got a lot of use over the years. Holy cow. A lot of use since I had it. But yeah, Travel Buddy Games. It's a great, great tagline. In fact, I think I have a uh, picture from it somewhere. How, where did you come up with that, that tagline? Um, well, I mean, we, we brainstormed for a while trying to come up with the best way to kind of present this and figure out where, where we wanted the game to sort of sit. Uh, I, I came up with it working with uh, the graphic designer, who I think did an awesome job on the logo. Sure. And uh yeah, I mean, we just we we kind of thought that 
traveling is a social activity. Board games are a social activity. And like I so much when I travel like to do as much as I can to interact with with kind of local people and see local places and and really try and get as much in the culture as I can. Um, that notion of sociality was something we wanted to keep in there. So Travel Buddy seemed to capture that. And then games just tells you right what it is. <laughs> so so take a look at what I have right here. That's the logo that I found on the Kickstarter page. Or maybe I, actually I think it's from your, your web page. Sometimes mm-hmm. and I, just, I, don't, I didn't even check with you before the show started. Sometimes there's a story behind the pictures in there. Is does that map have anything to do with the with the company with <laughs> you with your travels? No, I mean I wish there were something exciting I, I could I could tell you about it, but it's uh, it's just another image that I think kind of captures the the motif of what we're going for. It makes a nice backdrop for that logo, and, uh, and we actually have seven or eight different logos depending on where we're going to use them. They're all the same shape, obviously, but they have different color combinations. Um, a couple black and white ones we use on um, you know letterhead or kind of watermark type of things. Um, and then the other ones just, you know, if I want to put that on a, on a teal box, I obviously can't. So we have another alternative. But the map um, provided a nice neutral backdrop to showcase that. And I use that for my profile pic in a lot of places where I don't want it just floating in a sea of white. <laughs> I was hoping that, boy, you, you were on that train between Durango and Silverton. And, and that's where the idea of travel buddy came up. Oh, well, it, it was worth a shot. <laughs> So tell me, Josh, what do you think, as a guy who's traveled everywhere and played a lot of board games all over the place, what makes a good travel game? Um, I mean, there are, I think for me that there, there are two great types of travel games. I mean, the first and foremost is just the, the really approachable small package ones, like the perplexed line that does their pack O games. Oh, okay. uh, I love those. And they're always in my pack when I travel because they're so easy to bring wherever I want and set up in a small space. So I want a game that is, is easy to, th- what's that? I played shh, I think is, is one of them. I played uh, two of them. That's the ones you're talking about with the little three letters and they look like a pack of gum, right? Yeah, exactly. What, what's your favorite out <laughs> so, of games? Uh, they have so many of them. Rum, rum is my favorite. Yeah, what? it's uh, it's a bit like Rummy set, set collection with bottles of rum, but um, yeah, I mean those those are top of my list because they're so easy to travel with. I never have to think twice about whether I'm gonna I'm gonna have space in my carry on or my backpack. I can just kind of throw them in there. Um, the other types of game that I like to travel with, I think, are less travel games, right? A travel game is very much a thing that sets up easily, fits in the backpack. I can do it when I'm waiting for the train. I want them to be fast and stuff like that. But then, you know, the gamer in me sometimes wants something that's going to be deeper. And I still care about compact, but then I start looking at what my depth to size ratio is. So uh, Carl Chuddock's innovation is one that often makes it in there because it's just two decks side by side, but I can sit down at the hotel and bust that out, you know, over the course of an hour with uh, my wife and most frequent traveling companion. Um, and so that fits, fits the bill for me too, though. What we're going for with travel buddy is closer to the Paco games than it is to innovation. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Hey, Thomas is checking in. He says, uh, Hey, what's up, Thomas, you got any questions for Josh or travel games? Let us know. Joel Lewis, the designer of a very travel game of Fluttering Souls. I don't know if you saw that while you were at Gen Con. A little butter, a little monarch butterfly card game, uh, sort of, hmm. sort of in the vein of that um, uh, Seven Wonders duel where you have different pyramids and different shapes and you're battling back. But it's more of a set collection game, more of that aspect okay. of it. So Joel's checking in. Joel, what's your favorite one besides Fluttering Souls? And uh, Stephen says he's played Shh and Hugh. 
I have not tried Hue. I'm not. I don't know that one. Do you? Uh, yeah, that's the that's the one with uh, the different color shapes that you're starting to expand, and it it burns my brain in a really interesting way. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned two ways. Here's a here's a way that that one of the reasons that I'll carry a game around is, especially if I'm going to go on a scout uh, trip or going uh, to a campground or some play, or any kind of travel where I know that there are people that haven't played games before. I want to bring something that's not going to be familiar to them. Does that make sense? Not a standard card game that's, oh, this one's just like this. I want something that's going to, they're, they're going to see a tiny little package and think, wow, I didn't even realize that board games do that. And, and one of the games that I have is, is um, uh, a fake artist goes to New York. Little tiny oink package, right? It's a great and one. then you pop, you pop it open and it's got the little markers and the little chips. And then you teach the game and it's amazing how people's eyes just light up that they, they, they can't believe that such a small package has such a fun game. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the joy of gaming generally, isn't it? I mean, when we, uh, we're all kind of proselytizers for this hobby and it's because we remember that spark of excitement the first time we got hooked and we want to give everybody else that same buzz. But I mean, a lot of that is, is stuff that crossed my mind when I was dreaming up travel buddy. I mean, I've spent a lot of time traveling and in hostels and, you know, there are decks of cards and sometimes the staple games that you, that you see. I mean, I've played Shang-Chi Chinese chess with people in, in the street and that's fun, but it's not the sort of thing that I can get a group of hostelers together around and we can, right. you know, have beers and be like, let's play this two player heavy abstract strategy game. But, um, the, the Paco games, uh, has a uh, has one called Lie, which is essentially liar's dice that's been oh. distilled into a deck of cards. And that's mm. one that I can play with strangers. Um, and I don't know, it's a great opportunity. I mean, so often uh, you would just have a regular deck of playing cards and you can sit around with people from all over the world and learn whatever their local variant is on a classic game like Rummy um, or, or even, you know, Go Fish, Old Maid, whatever they're sort of the games that they grew up with. Um, it's a lot of fun to explore that stuff. Uh, and I hope that, you know, someday the games that we make can end up in those situations where someone goes to a hostel and drops on a table and goes, hey, let me teach this to you. It only takes five minutes to set up and we can all have a beer and play this thing that you've never seen before. <laughs> Thomas has a good question for you. He says, hey, where do you want to go? And I saw actually you posting about this on, on Twitter. Where do you want to go once world travel opens up again? Because I, if I remember right, you had a trip that you had planned just like I did. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, number one on my list right now is Albania, and okay. that was the trip. That was the trip that we had to cancel. It was uh, it was meant to go off at the end of this month, and just didn't seem like that was going to be a, a great time to do that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, Albania is a is a fascinating place. That it's like so many people don't think of it as a travel destination, but like it's if if greece is and italy is then albania definitely is I and mean, they're in that same region you will find similar food um and they have a, a beautiful riviera so uh yeah i want to go to albania i want to go to durez and saranda i want to drive up and down the albanian coast and see some some of the most beautiful kind of road trip roads uh, i've ever seen in photographs uh, and they also have a really fascinating culture i mean the the albanian country has been occupied by so many different sort of nations over the course of their history that you can go to a place like um, Saranda and, you know, drive to ruins 30 minutes away that have, you know, Roman architecture in them. And then like the remnants of an Ottoman mosque and seals of previous conquerors. And there's this very fascinating 
fascinating kind of overlap of history there that um, is the sort of stuff that I that I love to explore uh, when I go yeah. abroad. <laughs> That's my favorite part is looking at the history. Hey, Sean Jones, Mr. Jo- Mr. Sean says, Chuddock, a great travel game designer. I'm curious, Josh, where do you stand on the innovation versus Matanai? What, 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 where, where do you rank them between the two? I mean, it's been I've, a big thing in the combo because people, some people really don't like innovation compared to Matanai or the other way, you know? Yeah, I mean, I love both of those games. Uh, and so I, I get to straddle the, little, the middle a little bit, but I prefer innovation. Um, and it's, I mean, part of that is probably influenced by um, by my wife, who is also my most frequent gaming partner, in that she does not straddle the line. She loves innovation, and she hates Matainai. <laughs> um, I like both of them. Um, I think that Matainai is a, is a great evolution of Glory to Rome, and I know that that's also uh, a, the subject of some, some conflict as well, that some people... Um, have, have feel that the game got worse. And for me, I don't, I feel like it got better. Uh, glory to Rome. I always felt like I got to run my engine too much and Matai and I cuts me off right where I want to be cut off. And, and I love that. Um, but yeah, Ch- I think that Chudik is a great designer all around uh, and his, his games make it into my pack quite often when I travel. Joel's got a good idea for you, Josh. He says, use that Kickstarter money and go visit him down there. That's it. You know, he's, he's from, he's from down under go visit the actual great barrier. Have you been? I haven't been. It's it's a dream, and I've I've learned to scuba dive um, recently. I started taking lessons this past year and was on the course uh, a path to do some training and become a dive master um, before the whole uh, COVID nineteen thing went off, which obviously stopped a lot of that uh, right in its tracks. Um, it's absolutely on the bucket list, and uh, and it's good to know that I have somebody to play games with when I make it down there. <laughs> Joe will be glad to, to to do that with you. BJ from Board Game Gumbo. I've got my guest here, Josh from Travel Buddy Games, and we're talking spicy games. And one of the ones that I know, because you and I, you've talked about this game before, we've been in person, is the Mystery Rummy series, a game I've never played from a designer I absolutely love. What's what's the deal with Mystery Rummy, and, and which one is your favorite of, of all the iterations? Uh, well, I, the deal with this is I'll, I'll plug this a little bit because Mystery Rummy was kind of kind of my gateway game. Um, the w- the oh, way really? that people, yeah, the way that people kind of cite Settlers or Carcassonne. I mean, those games came early in my sort of transition to the board game world. It was certainly Settlers that that made me discover board game geek. But Mystery Rummy was the series of games that I just kind of found out of the blue at a at a bookstore one day and went, Oh, this seems like a neat evolution of a classic card game. Let me try it. And they've been in my collection ever since. Um, Jack the Ripper might, might be my favorite one. Um, but I'm, I'm someone who loves variety so much that it's, it's always hard for me. I, I love the Jack the Ripper mystery rummy. I don't necessarily, it's nice. Spider is a fun one that is, you know, a mystery rummy game that doesn't technically carry the mystery rummy label. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're fantastic little evolutions of rummy. If you grew up playing rummy and you sure. know the, you're familiar with the concept of draw a card, play your meld, discard, and try to go out, mm-hmm. um, that's still the core of the game, except each one has a great thematic tie-in and then some special cards that, uh, that manipulate the rules and let you let you play out um, the story that they're trying to tell. And the, the Jack the Ripper one is, is a lot of fun because the, every round can end with the Ripper escaping or the Ripper being caught. 
And there's a neat mechanism by which you can call a vote based on the evidence that you hold about who you think will be convicted of being Jack the Ripper. And you can get some bonus points if you're right. And uh, I don't know, it has nice player interaction and it's a, a neat narrative. And, you know, I, I got kind of hooked on the on the lore once upon a time uh, when I saw like a History Channel show about Jack the Ripper. And of course, the the case is still a thing that people speculate about to this day. Um, and it's, it's fascinating. You got, you have a heckler, someone named Alex, Alex gold, Goldsmith or Goldsmith, maybe the best mystery <laughs> Romy is baseball highlights 2045. I, uh, I mean, that's bonkers. The game is amazing as, as Mike Fitzgerald's designs always are, but right. it's not a mystery Romy and Alex knows it. And no. He he can have he can take it up with Mike if he wants to argue the credentials. <laughs> it's it's not a rummy game. I, at least I don't see anything rummy about it. And and I will pick I will pick Mike's uh, nose a little bit. Dragon Island wasn't exactly my favorite game of 2018. Uh, that was a pretty rush. I don't think you ever got to play that one from Mike. No, his board game. Yeah, that was never cool. did. <laughs> uh, probably best for you to just move along. I, I would just I wouldn't worry about that. So. Yes, yeah, so, baseball highlights is, is one that I like and and got introduced to thanks to Alex and I, I play the app pretty regularly. Um, Diamonds is a is a staple in my collection and uh, despite the fact that I've been in this industry for some time, I mean the first time I spoke to Mike Fitzgerald was maybe three years into into working in the board game industry and he's the only person I've I've ever met that I was like a little bit starstruck. I had to I had to do the fan thing and be like, hey, I just wanted to tell you what an influence this had on me as a as a gamer and now somebody in the industry i mean he's a he's a cool guy and he's made a lot of stuff that uh, i'm proud to have in my collection i played i paid msrp for dragon island i was just like you i was starstruck i actually took a picture and i got him to sign the game now i didn't like the game but but i love baseball highlights 24 5 that much so it's such it's such it's one of the games i played the most probably out of any other game but uh not not so much Dragon Island, but the Mystery Rummy series. I love card games and I love Rummy. I love that. I mean, we grew up playing Gin Rummy. That's one of the games we played. So mm-hmm. I'd love to try. It's got anything like that. BJ from Morgan Gumball. Got my guest here, Josh from Travel Buddy Games. We're talking about spicy games, and here's a game that I think my wife would like. We both like Code Names, but she gets kind of sick of the big group one. Then Code Names Duet came out. Lots of people have talked about it, and you've played it, right, Josh? Yeah, I mean that's a, it's another one that's kind of heavy in the rotation right now. Uh, it's one of the ones that we've been playing in uh, in our quarantine. Um, and yeah, I mean I I liked the original Code Names. I love Code Names Duet. Uh, it's it's two players or two teams cooperative, and what that does is it eliminates the the downtime that's present in in the kind of basic Code Names. I mean, so many times I play with a group and while the clue masters are thinking up what to say, everybody just kind of sits there quietly, you know, right. waiting, waiting for the beat to drop. Um, and this eliminates that because you're both playing on the same board. You're using one double-sided clue card, and each of you is trying to clue the things that you have to the other with some overlap in clues. Okay. And you only have so, so many moves to get there. Um, and then when you when you run out of clues, you come to this sudden death moment of, well, there aren't going to be any more clues to give, but we still have X many things left. And we're just kind of drawing on the stuff mm-hmm. that we think from the previous clues in the game to do this sudden death round. Um, and it's really satisfying. I'd say that when we play the basic version, we win about 80% of the time. And then there's an included kind of missions mode that 
adjusts the way you use the clues and uh that's a bit harder i think that our win rate on playing those is about 20 percent of the time Ooh. so it keeps me coming coming back to do better <laughs> and and it, one of the things that, that i liked about codenames is how they've been able to extend it into other areas with pictures and now they're doing all the thematic ones mm-hmm. does the system allow you to bring in those other sets that you have and still do do it or is it tied to the words and the system that they have inside this box no, I mean, I think that you could play that with with any set. I mean, the thing that that sets um, duet apart from from anything else is your is your double sided cards with the percentage overlap of what clues you want to get. And okay. I think if you have if you own duet and then you have other sets of code names, I think you could probably just pull the the word cards out and put the other cards in, and it would be exactly the same experience. Okay, because one of the things about uh, games like uh, Codenames or Medium or Just One is the interchangeability of the words mm-hmm. and the systems. We played Just One with Paul Grogan on- online the other day, and he doesn't actually own Just One. He used his code. He's a big CGE guy, so he brought his Codename words, and it, it worked just fine. We just <laughs> used Codename words instead. <laughs> well, I, I, yep. it, one of the yeah, things I that bet, I'd I bet to you do, could do the same here. That would be fun. What about pictures? Would that make it too tough to do Codenames duet with pictures? No, I mean, I, again, you're just going to use the grid, right? That's the only the double sided grid and the and the countdown on clues is all you need. You could replace it with any other version. I think it would work just fine. Speaking as someone who doesn't work for CGE and can't actually promote their products this way, I'd do sure. it. Sure, we're just, we're just talking off the cuff, of course. So, yeah, is this is this one of your your wife and you top ten games as a couple? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean. Um, <laughs> Again, it's it's tough for me to pick favorites. I uh, I'm doing my best to to go more minimal ish uh, and have brought the board game collection down from like 250 games to 150 games. But wow. um, yeah, I don't I don't know what the what the top ten are. I know that this one is giving me a lot of joy right now, <laughs> and, and that counts for, for something. I, I'm sure you're like me. If if uh, if you play a game and you bring it to the table and your spouse likes the game. I, I generally like the game more. Hey, I'm the one that plays more board games. I'm the one that's really more into the hobby. Uh, I don't know about you, your wife, but between me and my wife, I'm way more into the hobby. So if I find a game, like uh, we found Santa Monica from AEG the other day, and she was like, oh, I really like this game. Oh, Wingsman. I, I mean, she just loved it. So that instantly brought it to a higher level to me because I know that I'm going to be able to play with it, and it's a game that I like playing. But it, it just gets a little bit of brownie points with me if my wife likes it too. Yeah, I mean, I... I um... I think that you can you can make that even more general, right? I mean, it's a, a game is always more enjoyable when the people that you play with enjoy it, whoever those people are. I mean, gaming, like I said at the sort of top of the show, it's inherently social for me, and uh, and I, I'd rather play a, a B game with people that I really wanted to be hanging out with than play an A game with strangers. Uh, and so, it, a if a game, Josh, do you have a game in your collection? that you've kept despite the fact that you're really the only one in your game group that likes it? Have you ever done that? I've, yeah. I mean, I've had games that I've hung on to for a long time because of that. And most of them have eventually, I've, you know, I've eventually gotten rid of them. I still have a couple right now. I, I'm the boss is one that is, doesn't get as much uh, applause as I would give it when I bring it out, but I love it too much to get rid of it. Um, Indonesia is one that's tough to get to the table, and uh, and my wife actively would never play that game, but I'm going to keep that anyway. And uh, I mean, the PAX series, the Eklund uh, PAX Porphyriana and PAX Renaissance are games that need a, a very specific 
partner to play with, but I like them enough that I, I hold out hope for finding that person as a regular, a regular game buddy. BJ from Morgan Gumbo, I've got my guest here, Josh from Travel Buddy Games. We're talking spicy games, and there's a whole series of games that I have never gotten to play. Uh, but I hear Tom from the Dice Tower always talking about the, when it, whenever a new one comes out. And you were talking off air about one called Point. Hopefully I'm saying it right. Yeah. So tell me about it's part of the part of the uh, the gift series, right? Yeah, the gift series of games is a is a series of abstracts um, that have really they're they're deep but not complex. Um, so basically, the rules for these games tend to be two pages about how you can move your pieces, um, and then the rest is kind of depth of strategy. They all have a have something that makes the board feel tighter or less usable as time goes on. Um, so the games tend to start feeling pretty open, like I can do my own thing, but tend to escalate to a kind of knife fight in a phone booth. Oh, um, Punkt is, is one of the ones that we've been playing lately, and it's, it's one of the toughest ones for me. Um, if, if you've been gaming for a while, or if you know about classic games, uh, there was a game called Twixt that yeah, was an sure. Avalon Hill game. Punkt was, reminds uh, me an awful lot of that. It was Alex, um, oh, I can't think of his name. He's no longer around, but uh, yeah, he passed mm-hmm. away. But a pretty famous designer back in the seventies or eighties. Yeah. Um, so Twix, you played Twix because that's tough to get a copy of nowadays. Yeah, I've, I've played it and I still have a copy. Okay. I, uh, I cut my teeth on that in uh, in middle school and and loved it. And Punk reminds me an awful lot of that. The goal of the game, you can see the pieces on the board, um, black pieces and white pieces. I, Each player I've been has color. this picture, Josh, and I can't figure out what's going on in this game. It doesn't look yeah. like anything I've played before. So it, it probably yeah. isn't. I mean, the the goal is to connect two opposite sides of this hex with your own color pieces. And okay. so on your turn, you can place one of your pieces on the board, or you can move a piece that you already have on the board. Um, you might be able to see in this photo that there's a slightly darker kind of center hexagon, and you can't place your oh, starting yeah. pieces. There. Yeah, you're, you're not permitted to place starting pieces in that spot. Um, but otherwise, you can place them wherever you want. And then when you move them, you move them along an axis of what's called their punct. And so if you see some of the white pieces have a bright white circle and some of the black pieces have a dark black circle, that's the position you move your pieces from. And by moving pieces, you can straddle other players' pieces, you can pin them down, you can bridge between other pieces. Um, And you really kind of have to think three-dimensionally. Mental spatial management is not something I'm generally very good at. And so I I like to play this, but it, it... twists my brain in ways that um you know my my wife don and i play and she she sees the, sees the moves better than i do and we she'll go oh, i know what you're gonna do and i'm like you do quick tell me <laughs> tell me what we're doing well it looked, it looked a little bit like that reiner canizia game that i have with the um i can't remember it's got the the two colors on each end and you're trying to match up the colors as you put them on but you're it's the typical reiner canizia scoring where you always want to bring your last place score up because that's your actual score. The low, oh, it's, it's not ingenious. ingenious. That's it. Yeah, ingenious. So I was thinking of that, but then it's only two colors. And like you said, it's got that off-color dot, and that's the axis of rotation, right? That's that's yeah. where, where it rotates. You, you move your pieces from that point. So you can move them you know, across the board as long as that piece stays in a straight line and then rotate it where they land. So I, it's it's certainly one of the more complicated GIF games for my brain. 
Um, but it's, I don't know, if, if you like abstracts, the whole series is a, is a joy to play. And honestly, I think this is, this may be the ugliest of the series. They honestly generally look like works of art on the table. And I don't think this is an exception. I think it looks great, but some of them are, are downright beautiful. <laughs> and that is pung, punct. Say it again. <laughs> I mean, I say I say punct, but punct. Uh, okay. again, I didn't design it. I didn't put the umlaut on there. So maybe somebody uh, more familiar with language can give us both a lesson. Now, I, I'm I'm convinced it's just a made up word, but that's a pre- that's a pretty cool looking game. One and my wife and I both like those kind of abstract games, so we're gonna have to try it. BJ from Morgan Gumbo, got my guest here, Josh from Travel Buddy Tra- Travel Buddy Games, and we are talking spicy hot games and a spicy hot game that you are probably super ecstatic funded almost right away, and that's the Great Barrier Reef card game from Travel Buddy Games. All right, Josh, Woo, that, that's a great game. <laughs> Right. That's a spicy game. You've got the chat crew right here. Give us the elevator pitch. Tell us about the game. Who designed it? How'd you find it? What's the game all about? Uh, so Keith Pickett designed this game, uh, and he and he pitched it to us at a convention. Keith Pickett, um, you said. Last year. Yeah, I am. Um, honestly, I'm. I'm. He. I. Keith and Keith and I have known each other for uh, for a while from you know doing pitch meetings at, at conventions and him showing me stuff for Gray Fox. So I'm actually trying to remember if he pitched this to me at a show or if he just sent it to me afterwards. Um, but as as soon as he sent me the the rule book for it, I knew that this was a, a clever system. It's got overlapping cards, um, which I like very much, uh, kind of a la Hanshu. Um, Ooh, but it also yeah, me too. It also has this mechanism that I've never seen anywhere else, which is the way that the market is resolved in this game. So when you're playing this, um, when you're playing the Great Barrier Reef game, the goal is to to arrange the fish in a particular pattern. And so at the start of the game, you'll get random scorecards that tells you, hey, this fish wants to be in a block. This fish wants to be in diagonal lines. This fish wants to be in an L shape. Um, and your goal is to create those patterns in order to in order to score points. And every time you create the pattern, you you multiply at the end game by whatever the scoring is at for that condition. So that's the puzzle overlaying part. The market part is that each of those cards has a number in the center, and that tells you what spot in the market you draw your replacement card from. And so this leads to some really interesting decisions in that. Well, you're not you know, kidding. <laughs> sometimes I'm playing a card because it makes that pattern and it doesn't matter what I put in my hand, except that's in my hand now and I have to figure out how to use it. Sometimes I actively want a particular card. And if I can't make my pattern using that card, I got to find a way to play it in my reef anyway, so I can get the thing I want for the future. It's and, a stupidly you know, the, the decision when you're trying to decide between those two things. Now the stars make it helpful because if I remember right, that's the wild part, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they all be wild, uh, Keith. <laughs> you're killing me with those decisions, man. No, you you be honest. There's a juicy card that you really want, but it's the wrong number. But you, ah, I really want this card. And and those lead to good moments, right? I mean, like sure. I I love those kind of stories at the end of a game about the risks I took and when they paid off and when they didn't. And if I want that card bad enough, I will break a pattern I've already made to pick up the card that I want so that I can fix it later. And if I fix it who boy did I come out ahead. And if I never put, get to draw into that position, well, I might've just cost myself, you know, six, eight, 10 points. And then where will I be? 
Um, but that yeah, picture I, mean, I showed you earlier was a picture of uh, of a game between me and my nephew playing it on Tabletopia, I think, if I remember right. And one of the things that we talked about after the game was the the push pull when we were fighting over the little markers on each one of the market cards. And that's that's just another for such a small box game. It's got these big decisions in it. How did Keith do that? Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a knack. <laughs> and uh, and the other designs I've seen from him have had have had similar presentations of simplicity with complexity hidden underneath. Um, and that's that's something that I want to go for for Travel Buddy Games. I want these to teach really easily, right? I have a single page rule book. I want you to be able to teach us in a couple of minutes. And that's great. But I also want the gamers who are, you know, instrumental in in helping support these projects to have a game that they're not going to play once or twice and then feel like they've played it out. I mean, I want games to have enough depth that you're going to play this, you know, dozens or hundreds of times and feel like there are still meaningful decisions to be made. And I think this game does that. All right. So one of the things I can't get from the tabletopia and, and, and Josh, by the way, everybody in the chat crew, if you want to play it, there's availability on TTS and on tabletopia right now, right? You've got, yep. you've got some versions, but one of the things you don't get the flavor from is how portable is this game? I know that was important to you. How, how are you going to pull that off? Cause there's a lot of stuff inside this box. It looks like, although I will tell you the rule book was small. That's the game, right? <laughs> That's the game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a small box, smaller than Innovation, smaller than Tissue, um, smaller than Anoint Games box. Uh, the the game is the game is is Compared you know that, uh, or small smaller than that, right? Pocket Mars, little smaller than that. Okay, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got um, five five punch board tokens and you know a big old stack of cards, and then five of those cool little coral markers. And then a, a little score pad. Hey, Chris, um, we're talking the Great Barrier Reef card game from Travel Buddy Games out on Kickstarter right now. You probably know Christian Strain from I uh, do. from doing his, uh, of course, uh, you know the, the Troubles game, but also for the stuff he does for Great Fox game. But tonight we're talking Travel Buddies games, Chris. Chris, Chris did the uh, graphic design for Reavers of Midgard. Sure did. Yep, Reavers of Midgard. Right. Incredible. Um, but yeah, the great the Great Barrier Reef uh, card game is is gonna it's gonna fit in your pocket. Uh, I want you to easily put it in your backpack. I want you to easily put it in your carry-on. Um, and I want you to get a lot of mileage out of this game, both in terms of actually taking it with you when you travel and in terms of replayability. And we're we're going to do everything we can to make sure all of our games have the smallest footprint possible so that it is easy for people to throw them in their bag and go. All right, you know the shorts I'm talking about. Shorts that have the big front pockets and the big pack pockets. This is one that I can unbutton that front pocket, slip it in, put it in the front pocket of my backpack, Put it in the front little tiny pocket of my uh, of my carry on. Right, you're a carry on guy. I'm assuming when you travel, it's just a tiny yeah, little, a, a tiny little twenty inch carry on. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, and I've done ten days in Europe with a twenty inch carry on. What were you gonna say? I said you can you can fit this in any one of those any any one of those places and still have room left over. I um now if if you're a woman you're not going to be able to put them in your jean pockets because people don't make pants with pockets that women can use. They're all decorative. It's decorative, yeah. I don't understand that. My wife complains about that all the time. Yeah, so well, she's right to be annoyed by it. Every time we go out, my my wife wants to travel late. She's like, "Can you please carry my ID? I can't fit this in the pocket of my pants." And I'm like, "That's ridiculous." And sure, so you busted through a bunch of of the uh, stretch goals. I saw. What's up next? If if I remember right, you got a couple of pretty cool upgrades for the Kickstarter, right? 
Yeah, we've we've unlocked um, we've doubled the amount of scoring cards in the game, um, which adds a crazy amount of variety and replayability. And now we're working on upgrading uh, components and making the game look and feel as good as possible. Uh, so the next thing we're doing is the is the spot UV upgrade for the box. Um, board gamers know what that is, and I want this to be a game that really kind of pops to your eye and pops off the shelf. Um, I think uh, we've managed to get no small portion of people who aren't generally board game backers on the campaign, which I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm, I hope that when they get delivered a product that looks as good as this does, that they're, you know, as proud to have it as we are to make it. We want to make sure that this looks like a, a premium product and we deliver a lot of value to our backers because this was a, this was a Kickstarter in the, in the truest sense of the word. There is, there is no retailer waiting to stock this game. There is no distribution network waiting to hold on to it. This was a fund or die endeavor. Um, and without the people who backed it, we couldn't make it. And we're really thankful that so many people are excited for it. Kelly's one of the backers out there and she says, we need women's cargo pants. But if she wants a copy of the game, it's she really don't take a chance. It's really the Kickstarter where you need to get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to print um, enough to fulfill this Kickstarter and, you know, some extra in hopes that we can find a market for this afterwards. Obviously, I'm going to be able to sell it through my website and I'd love to find opportunities to get it into retail. But, um, you know, this isn't a this isn't a Gray Fox project. I have contacts in the industry and I and I hope that will help me moving forward. But, you know, from game designer to publisher is a is a leap. And there are there are no guarantees about where this game will end up. So, um you know, the, the way to get it is, is now. <laughs> somebody behind you at your door trying to get in. Who is that? Somebody trying to get in. What, what is going on there? <laughs> is there? Oh my God. It's Keith. Keith. What a surprise. Oh man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, we'd surprise you with that. So Keith, we're talking about uh, travel buddy games, your game uh, with um, uh, the great, Barrier Reef card game. And one of the questions that Thomas had was, how was the pitch between the two of you? Were you did you have a small card game and hear about Travel Buddy games? Mm-hmm. Or was this just conversational between you and Josh? Yeah, no, I had pitched a game to Josh for uh, Gray Fox. So I'd met him uh, you know, a couple of years before this. And so kind of had him as a contact. And then I was following along with what he did and saw the uh, Travel Buddy games. And I happened to have a game that just kind of fit perfectly. So I think it was, I emailed it in to you before, uh, it was uh, before, um, like back in March of last year, I believe. And yeah, it just kind of went from there. So it just happened to be a really good fit for it. Josh, was it always about the Great Barrier Card Game, uh, Reef, or, or did you see an opportunity with a cool game system to bring in something from, an, you know, for Joel, for us, exotic? I know it's your back door, but for us, it's exotic. We we didn't have to deviate much, right? When when Keith pitched it, it was it was a game about uh, keeping an aquarium, and mm-hmm. so there was there was fish uh, already uh, going into the patterns that they were in, and we just we brainstormed together on how we could um, repurpose the system somewhere else. Um, Great Barrier Reef was one of the options. Bird Bird Cliffs of Norway was something yeah. we kicked around for a little while too. Um, okay, but. <laughs> but reef reef is what stuck. Uh, and part of that might've been because of its original theme. It wasn't that far off. And, uh, the changes that we made were, were only very few. I mean, the, the development on this game was, was quick and easy. And the thematic changes were to scrap some things that, uh, 
that you might find in an aquarium but wouldn't find in the ocean and replace them with life native to the place where we wanted to feature the game. <laughs> and you're in the middle of doing all these scuba diving lessons, so you had to think, oh, my God, this is like this is like karma just raining down on me. This is great here. One of the things it, I wanted to ask you. Brain, but uh, for whatever it's worth, scuba diving in the Midwest uh, is not quite so as exotic as scuba diving in the reef. <laughs> yeah. <that> is- <laughs> so, Keith, one of the things we were talking about before you got on was the the – tension that is in the game that, that you find in two or three different parts and and the most tense of course is that push pull on the scoring of the points but also right. picking the carts on the market and then deciding what am how am i going to screw myself by covering the things <laughs> i need or covering the things i don't want which is better for me that's three right. different things were there even more tension points and you had to pare them down to that or or, or was this something you upgraded or or was it out of the box i'm going to have two or three really crunchy juicy decisions in a tiny little package now this is one of those kind of once i had the um the mechanic with playing a card and determining which card it it brought into your hand which i played around with a few ideas with covering a different quadrant determined what card you brought into your hand and things like that and eventually went with the numbers but once that came together and this it actually came together pretty quick so um this game was originally called Aquascape, and actually I started working on it years and years ago, and it was a much different game, but went through many iterations. But once I kind of landed on this final one, it, it came together pretty darn quick. Alex had a good question. Alex Goldsmith from, uh, from the Dukes of Dice. He wanted to know a, 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 a question appropriate for either one of you. What game most inspired you, Keith, that, that kind of outlined the developmental direction for Great Barrier Reef. Was there something that you said, oh, this is a cool idea. Let me see if I can twist it and change it and put my own spin on it. Yeah, I loved uh, I loved Circle of the Wagons and Sprawlopolis and the, the Steve Aramini and Danny Devine and those guys, the games that they've done. So definitely that card lay- layering. Um, I just wanted to kind of take more of a, uh, you know, Circle of the Wagons is a two-player game. Sprawlopolis is a really good solo game. I know you can play it with more players, but... I wanted something with that same feeling that was also a bit competitive. So that's kind of where I was going with this one. Josh, is this is this too cutthroat for a travel game that you're introducing to your partners in a hostel in the middle of uh, you know Romania, or or is this friendly enough to bring to people that have never played games before? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's yeah. friendly enough. Okay, honestly, I do. I, I mean, some the the only sort of direct player interaction is when when you play a shark and bump up a scoring thing that you're going for and bumping down something else that someone is going for. And one of the things that I love about this game is that nothing ever gets you nothing. If you've made a pattern, it will pay you, right? When you, when you even if your opponents, everybody at the table gangs up on you and runs your stuff straight down to the bottom, none of those things are worth zero. You'll always get something. something right. um, and honestly... I, I love this design because you you get out of it what you put into it. I can sit down and play this game in 20 minutes with somebody who is a who is into lighter games, or I can play the same game in 40 minutes with an opponent who wants to really get crunchy and grind it out and make the optimal moves. And so it it fits it fits that thing that I'm going for, and I'm absolutely confident I can throw this in my pack and teach it at a hostel. Um, it's a litmus test for the games that we sign. So Keith, <laughs> yeah, good. Keith, one of the things that uh, the name father and I were talking about the other night, we played Concordia, and one of the cool mm-hmm. things about Concordia is Euros get a, a terrible reputation for having no interactivity. But a good Euro actually has the kind of interaction that doesn't 
what what Josh said, the the no zero thing, where you knock a person off of their route, knock them off right. a, leg a little bit, and then they've got to steer around that. That steer around is actually a fun part of the game if you can pull it off. It's it's kind of satisfying when somebody throws a roadblock and you're able to get around it. So there is player interaction, and I think you pulled that off, Keith. Was that what you were going for here in 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 the interaction between the players? Definitely, yeah. I didn't want something too mean and in your face, but it's it's one of those games where if somebody you're going after a certain pattern of fish, and then you realize that everybody's ganging up on you and trying to knock that one down, you can you can pivot and you know go to another route and see what they're doing and try to piggyback off of what they're doing and try to increase your score that way. So hopefully, you know, there's there's good player interaction, but it's not a it's not a completely mean game. And like Josh said, you're always scoring points. So if you do something, if you have, you get a pattern together and it all comes together, you're getting something for it always. So Josh, tell us a little bit about the uh, Kickstarter. How many days left do we have on the Kickstarter? Uh, we got seven days left. We're at the one, one week mark here. So it's going to wrap up next Tuesday. We're in, into that home stretch. Well, the name father mentioned the Kickstarter a couple of times. We've we've gonna we posted up so the chat crew can look for it. But you know, guys, and that's and that's the great barrier, the great barrier reef card game from Travel Buddy Games. But you know, this is a board game show, guys. So we gotta play a board game on a board game show, right? Sure. Sure. I've got my buddy Steve, the name father, who's gonna be joining us in just a second. Hey, there he is, Steve, Steve, keep, keep, Josh, Steve. Hey, Keith, how are you doing? Hey, great, how are you? Doing all right. Salute. Hey, while, while I'm setting up the game, Steve, you got any questions for uh, Josh or Keith? I think, we, I think we covered all the chat group questions. No, I think you covered the questions I've been monitoring in there. It was a lot of interesting chat. Folks are really behind it, so good job. Strain said he did discover the Great Barrier Reef, but it was in Civ 6. So that yeah, doesn't I wasn't really, that as a question. Yeah, that doesn't, I've, that I've doesn't. had to sideline that game to get any amount of work done while working from home. It's in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> so steve gonna tell you about the game we're playing the boudin bowl it's all set up keith and steve and i have all set up but steve you want to give a quick rules for the yeah, sure. i'll give you a, give you a little uh synopsis of what's going on we we met beforehand online to talk about this we set up four categories bj will read them bj and i'll read them off to you we each drafted games that would fit these categories as far as we see and our job is going to be to sell them to you we've got to try and figure out if we can kind of tweak you into thinking ours was the choice and BJ, I think mentioned before the show that treat this as kind of like a little football metaphor. The winner gets seven points. The second place gets three points for a field goal. Um, third place or loser gets no points. Fumbled and, and fumbled. Treat this as four quarters of a football game. We'll add up all the points at the end and see who had the most. The only important rule to remember is that if it's a tie at the end, BJ loses. Yeah, <laughs> I, tie never goes to me. All right, seems fair. You you got the rules of the game there, Josh. I think I can handle it. All right. Okay. All right. So Steve and Keith, why don't why don't Steve you take the first one? We're gonna do appropriate for you, Josh. You're gonna recognize most of these categories as appropriate for tonight's discussion. Backpack games. We're gonna try to sell you on a backpack game in the first quarter. All right. Great. So I'll kick it off. My my backpack game was I had to think about first of all, small enough to pack. If something goes wrong on the hike, I can find another copy. Um, it's somewhat protected, and the people that I'd be likely to hike with would be willing to sit and play it with me. So I went with Sushi Go. Kind of thing that's small enough to pack in a protective tin. Once we get to the place where we're hiking to and ready to picnic, the family would be willing to play a round or two of that with me before they pack, packed it back up and said, let's get back on the road again. So Sushi Go was my first choice there. Sushi Go coming out strong. Now, Keith, that's G-E-A-U-X. Just to make sure we have that. Absolutely. Sushi-go. 
All right. I, I'm I'm going to go with one that that I played uh, the entire time at Gen Con. I carried around with me, and I've actually played it live on the show with Steve. Although it's going to be a tweak to this game. It's medium. I don't know if you've played medium before, but we're going to play medium, the just one version. That's where you have the two cards and you're trying to get the median, but you're playing with the whole group. Because remember, when you're playing medium and you're and you're at a hostel in Romania or Albania, you're at a hostel in Albania and you're playing with people who've never played games before. You want to make sure that everybody's involved. So play medium, use the words, but the people that are using the guesses to try to get to the medium, if they have the same ones, they're going to get knocked out just like in just one. And then we rotate around mm. having the guesser. So everybody's participating, and that's medium. And literally, you could play medium anywhere. All you need is words. That's mine. All right, Keith, you're up. What you got? We're making it tough for Josh here in the first round. All right. So I've got a good salesman here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to kick Joel off the show. Here. Joel, don't miss <laughs> playoff games from the last two years. Please, Joel. All right, so go ahead. What you got, Keith? I'm going to sell you on a gray little backpack game. It only it only takes 18 cards. Uh, it comes in a wallet, and we mentioned it earlier. It's uh, Sprawlopolis, which uh, is a perfect game for taking the backpack because you can play it with other people. It's very simple rules, uh, but you can also play it by yourself, and it's one of those perfect uh, big game in a small package. Tough choice. That's a great game. <clears throat> my goodness all right so, so now, now i gotta i gotta give you guys seven three and nothing you got it. only three choices. based on based on games that i can put in my backpack or based on how we talk smack to each other and try and talk each other down in in uh in your eyes or just based on the guy oh, boy. Check to come on to the show tonight don't forget about that yeah <laughs> yeah. So yeah or you can go to the factory they'll help you out too but hey if you don't mind walk us through which what what, what scores are you going to give us uh, so I think I think we're going to award the touchdown score to BJ because it has it has that social component that I look for in games that I that I throw in my backpack. The fact that he can play that with with a couple people or a huge group, I absolutely love it. The medium just one thing seems like the sort of thing that I can order around to beers at the hostel and get everybody to the table for. Um, so we're giving touchdown BJ. Yeah, thanks. Chris said, don't forget to get your words in Romanian, though. Make sure you bring out the words in Romanian. That's, that's fair. But since I want to go to Albania, I don't know that the Romanian's going to work. Yeah, that's, I don't know what the language is in Albania. Do you know? It's Albanian. Albanian? Okay, there it is. Yeah, I mean, g- Greek and Italian will get you around a, a little bit as well. But uh, if you want to speak the local language, it's Albanian. Thomas didn't like the, uh, liked the other two choices. But let's hear what Josh has to say because, Thomas, he's the deciding factor. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't love either of the other two choices. But <laughs> I think I think I'm, I think I'm giving three to Steven uh, because Sushi Go is another one that I've brought with me and I know that I can play with other people and I, I think I could teach it at a hostel. This is no dig at, at Keith or Sprawlopolis because I love him and I love that game, but I can't imagine not playing it solo. I play it and it breaks my brain and I have to think so hard about how to do stuff that if somebody else is there trying to figure that out with me, I'm going to be frustrated that they're not doing what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. So first quarter went uh, medium with the touchdown, sprawl office with the interception, and Steve, the name father, sells for a field goal with Sushi Go. Not Steady bad. Eddie, I'm on the board. Not bad. All right, Keith, you're up. Let's take the second category. Second category, Josh, for the second quarter is two-player games. I know you play a lot of two-player games with you and your wife. So tell us, uh, Keith, what you got? 
All right. Well, my pick for a two-player game is uh, one of my personal favorites to play with my wife, and it is uh, Seven Wonders Duel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's a perfect drafting game for two players. I've never seen it done better. Um, I love the way that there's multiple ways to win, so you always got to keep in the back of your mind the military or science victories. And I just think it's a, it's a great game. Strong, strong. Very solid. Steve, what you got? <laughs> I just went with my favorite two-player game of all time, which is Targi. Um, the easy point, Steve. I, well, you know, when you when you get the top draft pick, you're not going off the board. You, the war room is easy at that point for me. Yeah, that game is um, so Targi. good. I really love Targi. Um, the elegance of the, the the choices that you make along the outside of the board, giving you the intersecting cards in the middle, and having to figure out what do I need to play, what do I need to collect, what do I need to block. It's just a brilliant brilliant two-player game that's a that's a tough one he, he had the very first pick in the draft and he went right for target because i'm sure he's assuming somebody else is going to pick it but i i wouldn't have i wouldn't have picked target i would have gone with mine and in fact if you remember i erased my earlier choice and moved back up to get this one just in case keith wanted to steal it and that is watergate hey i'm i i wasn't I wasn't around exactly at that time, although sort of was. But I don't remember Watergate until later. But Watergate was really would have been my number one game of the year last year, except for the fact that that BGG kind of played Detective uh, City of Angels. And oh, I was just blown away by that one. But Watergate all year was my favorite game experience. I absolutely loved Watergate. I think it's a great push-pull. We talked about push-pull with the, the Great, Barrier card Reef, uh, Great Barrier Reef card game. Same thing in Watergate. You're trying to keep track of these two or three elements – uh, trying to make sure the momentum is on your side, trying to make sure that Nixon never gets five cards because if Nixon can play five cards every round, the Washington Post is in deep, deep trouble. And I love the flavor text. Philip Millman, I think, did a great job in the back of the rule book. He's got the whole history of the Watergate saga, which you can look at, but a lot of it's just right there in the cards. And yeah. we don't we don't play a Watergate where we're throwing out numbers or doing – we actually say I'm playing Margaret Mitchell or I'm, I'm playing uh, John Dean. I mean you're – they become alive. Some people say it's not. It's just an abstract, but I don't think so. I think Watergate is a fantastic two-player game with a great thematic experience. And I'm bringing the heat here, Josh. <laughs> well, touchdown, Steven. Targi is, is a fantastic game. It's a game that I love for two. It is in my collection. I've been trying to get my hands on the expansion forever. So there's there's no way I cannot award him full points for that. That game's incredible. By the way, Andy Steiger says it is con- it's going to be available in English, and we should see it sometime at the end of this year. The expansion. I think so. Yes. That's what we're hearing. That's right. great. I, I got to admit that's a pretty good choice there. But you've got a tough decision between me and Keith. Where are you going to go? I mean, you think I have a tough decision, but I'm but I'm giving three I'm giving three points to Keith. One, I love the game. Two, I love the theme. Um, and and that carries it for me over Watergate in that the theme is less attractive to me and it does that thing that we talked about earlier about limiting my pool of players. If I can get games that I know I can get other people to play, those are going to go up a score for me and I'm going to have the same problem with Watergate that I've, that I've had with Twilight Struggle, which is I'm going to find one or two people who will play that with me and never get it to the table. That box is collecting dust, much like your score pile right now. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Targi and Duel, both of them a lot more exotic. Steve, I should have been thinking exotic for every choice. Watergate, just not exotic. Just not exotic. All right, so it's halftime. Name, Father, what, what's the score for us here? Halftime. I've got 10 points. 
And BJ's got seven, and Keith has three. All right, Josh, okay. you're in charge of the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Josh, you're in charge of the music and the halftime show. We're going to set up the second half here. The third quarter is appropriate to what we're talking about tonight. It's card games. And this time, I think, uh, Keith, you went first, right? And then Steve. So it's back to Keith. Keith, you're going to be first. So go ahead. Keith, what you got? All right. So the card game I picked, uh, one is it's nature based for the theme, which is something I really enjoy. Uh, it's a super thinky card game, which is again, something I enjoy. Um, and then I just love the, the look of the new version. It's got beautiful artwork from uh, Beth Sobel and the game is Arboretum. That is a good, love this game. Mm -hmm. That is a good choice. I love the look of that game. I've actually never played it, Keith though, but, uh, I love the look of it. That, that game is gorgeous and mean. You yes. have to you have to play this VJ. It's brilliant. It's on my list. All right, Steve, what you got? This is where I was actually thinking that Keith was going to be making his move because Arboretum's a great pick. Um, I got to pick last in card game, and I, I, after that point, I was thinking I wanted to go a little bit old school. Thinking card game, you think cards in a box, but I'm thinking a little bit bigger box and a lot more cards. San Juan. Mm. I went back back a ways. To go to one of the uh, the uh, the old the old school Euro card games that really started things off there. So see if I can salvage points with that one because I think Arboretum's a, a tough get this round. It's going to be tough. So man, do I need to put my uh, with those two great games? Do I really need to put my my choice out there, Josh? But I will. Yeah, I mean, let's let's see what you got. Mine I like a, having options. I'm a variety guy. Give me the buffet. Mine's a game about fish down under called the great barrier reef card game. let me tell you about that one. no it's i should have i should have picked that one but i, I picked not, one not fair i'll have to recuse myself as judge i, have, I think we did that with bonacore i kept picking stronghold games just to make him <laughs> yeah you did i was losing so bad i had to just do a, a zigzag on the fourth quarter no mine is is a game that is a card game it's a game we talked about tonight i was hoping alex was going to be around because he would he would yell at me because he says it's not a card game and that is Baseball highlights 2045. It's a, it's a game that I've had trouble getting out with some people because of the theme. Not everybody's into baseball as much as I am. But once people play the game, it's a fantastic game. Now, I wanted to say Bushido because I know how much you and me both like Bushido. But God, the game's good. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. And boy, I want to get more expansions for it. But, but, but I'd I, have to recuse myself. I figured that. I figured <laughs> that's the game. But baseball highlights 2045, my favorite sports. And, and it's a game that doesn't do what you think. It's not a baseball game, as in you're going to be playing nine innings and you're going to be moving people around and all that. It's a game that gives you the highlights, that action. It's almost like watching the 30-second ESPN highlights on Facebook, right? You're just going to see the big action, the big hit, the big strikeout, the big catch. And what I, what I love about baseball highlights 24-5 is I've never played in a tournament yet where there's not the big moment, where you lose in the seventh game and you actually can see the fielder reaching over the fence because they, they, they top deck that card to steal that big home run that you might have won and stayed in the tournament at Dice Star Con 2019. But I'm not bitter at all, as you can tell. <laughs> All right, so that's three tough choices for you, Josh. What you got? It is. That's that are those are three great games and three tough choices. I gotta I gotta give you mad props for your sell on baseball highlights. I mean, the game is good, but to hear you tell it, it's even more exciting than it than it is in real life. Oh, no, come on, um, we're <laughs> we're still going to give the touchdown to Keith because Arboretum is a fantastic game. It is a it is a top game for me. Top 
five top ten. In a world where I don't make lists of my top things, that one's on it anyway. Um, so that game is great. Between baseball highlights and San Juan, though, you guys have put me in a tough spot. I, I love these games. I I don't I don't know what to do about either of them. The th- the theme for both of them is is pretty atrocious. When I pitch somebody on baseball, I lose them, and I go, but what if it's in the future? And some of them are cyborgs, and that brings nobody back to the table. And and when and I would try and get someone to say play San Juan, I'm like, well, you're the governor of a plantation and it's based on a board game, but they made this better because they got rid of the slaves. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if that's the best elevator pitch for those two games. Yeah. I think we're both getting zeros, PJ. <laughs> yeah, no. I, don't I mean, I'd love to give, I'd love to have you guys split the three. If we could give a, a point and a half to each of you, we can even round it up and do two points mm-hmm. apiece. Cause I don't think I can decide between those. As really- says, life's full of tough choices, isn't it? You got to do it. Come on, Josh. Chat has that enough for you? I, sh- I shouldn't be calling attention to the chat because they say I'm in third place this round. Oh, yeah. I sh- I, what, do, what do they say about that? Thomas was the only person who commented, and he agreed with you. Keith, top, BJ, and me bringing up the rear. Come on, chat. Yeah, crew. I mean. Let's see some baseball. Uh, uh, I'm going to award the three points to San Juan for this reason. Because even though I've trimmed my collection extensively, San Juan has continued to make the cut. But I've never picked up baseball highlights because I'm afraid I don't have anybody to play with. Ah. I love Mr. Sean. He's long <laughs> field on San Juan after that pitch. <laughs> I see. That. All right, Look, man. It's a, it's a great game for people who love classic heroes. It, it is. I, I would rather play it than Puerto, Week, Puerto Rico. I think it's a fantastic game. It's still in my collection. Um, well, we can get a little tongue, tongue in cheek with the descriptions here. Can't we? <laughs> sure. All right, so let's move to the fourth quarter. And one of the things, Steve, the name file and I were coming up, we we're trying to, well, everybody. Oh no, look, Thomas says San Juan black. So I, I think Thomas you're, you're that twice. He, he just said twice that I was in last place. It's the same person saying last place each time. As you can see, we tried to pick things that we thought would be appropriate for you being on the show. And the last one, when I think of when I think of this category, the first person in board gaming that comes to mind is always you because you're always talking about your trips, exotic places, exotic themes in terms of board games. Now that's wide open, so you're going to see some wide open choices here. Let's see who can it's bring a cool it. category. I'm excited for this. I'm going to go first because I hadn't gone first yet on mine, and I. The, I struggled with this game because there's so many games I was thinking of, but I just went with a game that I really like that my wife really likes. I'm a, I'm assuming you haven't played this game, but it's Istanbul, the dice game version, not the main game. And I think I haven't played Istanbul in all honesty, although the gumbo has played it many, many times, but Istanbul, the dice game, I am generally not a person that plays anything that's called Josh colon the, the dice game or Josh, the dice game, the card game, you know, any one of those things. Istanbul, the dice game is fantastic. You can play it with people that have never played board games before, which I did. My running buddies that are in their 70s, I taught them how to play this game. We had a blast. And you can play it with regular gamers. And it's it's really cutthroat. You talked about, you know, a knife fight in a, in a phone booth. And Istanbul has that little cutting edge action when you're trying to race for those rubies. But uh, I love the way it looks. And I love bringing it out with people who've never played games before because they look at this and they go, I'm so used to payday in life. What is this that I'm looking at, right? in this tiny little box that you can fit into your backpack? So Istanbul, the dice game from AEG. That's my pick. 
Take that. You'll be happy to hear that that I've played both. So you didn't oh. you didn't try and pitch me something I haven't seen before. Oh, I was worried. I was worried. All right, so uh, let's go with Steve. What you got? Okay, I went with the Cromer and Kiesling game to call, and I thought about trying to, to to think about what would be the ruins that I would want to explore. And the Tikal was the choice, not because of the game, but I do like the game. I love the Cromer and Kiesling games. I went with Tikal because I think in, in terms of exotic places. Guatemala has established a park around Tikal and protected it from development. So if you want to go visit the place rather than seeing um, uh, the the remains of Tenochtitlan or Teotihuacan, you'll be seeing encroachment of the city around it. But there in Petén, you've got everything preserved as it should have been. So Tikal was my choice. That's pretty strong. Not as good as yeah, this was nice game, but for even speaking my language too. Yeah. He didn't even yeah. tell me about the game. You if I hadn't played Pakal, I wouldn't know anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good pitch. All right, Keith, you are the last one in the fourth quarter. Um, All right. How are we doing on scores here? Just to put a little pressure on Keith. Close, doing- I think <laughs> it's going to make this a whole heck of a lot closer with this pick because when he laid his out, I thought, ooh. Yeah, and he went for this early too, and that was a good move. All right, Keith, tell us what you got. All right, well, I had to get a game on here from my favorite designer, and uh, most of his games are known for being pretty brown and boring and not much to look at, but this is a game that's uh, vibrant and lots of blues and greens, just beautiful board, beautiful colors in it, Um, and it's got a definite competitive streak to it, for sure. We'll say competitive, not mean, Um, (laughs) but that is uh, Bora Bora from Stefan Feld. I just love that game. Uh, it's one of my favorite fields. And I just think it's it, it's not certainly doesn't look like any of his other games. We'll say that. Yeah. I mean, oh boy, those are those are good choices. That's a great game it, too. I think, we, I think we just lost because I, <laughs> I saw Josh's response and it was oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I won't keep you in suspense. We'll give the t- we'll give the touchdown to Keith. Not Ooh. only is that somewhere I want to go. Not only does it does it showcase a place that is that features heavily in my Instagram feed when I'm daydreaming about where to go next. But Feld is also one of my favorite designers, and that is one of my favorite games. So touchdown, Keith. I see that. I think that's an inside job there, Steve. I think that I think there's a little <laughs> baseball between those two. But all right, so I mean. I have, I, maybe he just did his homework and went and looked at my BGG ratings. <laughs> he had a lot, a lot of solid picks on there. Um, I mean, the uh, the second pick is is also, I hate to deflate some tension, a little bit easy for me, but Tikal is getting three points from me because not only is it on my bucket list of places to travel to, um, the game is also beautiful. I love the 3D element that goes on in there, um, and it is one of the earliest um, – sort of intro board games I played. I mean, I think my introductory collection was Beyond Mystery Rummy, Settlers, Carcassonne, Clans, to call, And so it might have been one of the first five games, modern board games that I owned. Uh, and despite awarding you zero points for Istanbul, uh, I do want to visit... And the dice game is a huge improvement over over the first one for me. And I will play that dice game anytime. Great game. <laughs> Josh, we didn't sync up on very many of these, and I let you win in Pocket Mars. How could you come back on me like that? <gasps> you did what? <laughs> no, you beat me fair and square. You want my butt at Pocket Mars. All right. So, Steve, give I'll, us the – I'll buy you some sort of a pity beer the next time we're all able to go to a convention. I'll make it up to you. I like it. All right. So, Steve, <laughs> what 
Steve, give us the scores for the Boudin Bowl. Who's the, who's as, the big one? As I was afraid, um, Keith played rope-a-dope for the first half. Um, <laughs> came on strong in the second. A touchdown in the third, a touchdown in the fourth. He's got 17. I got 16. BJ's got 10. Wow, I lost another one. Oh, come back. <laughs> and this time, this is good for comedic effect. Usually, all of mine are pretty, you know, pretty jokey, and I, and I ended up scoring nothing. But uh, that was a great, Keith. I thought you did a great job. Some great choices. And Josh, I liked hearing your thought process and all these. You you bought into what we were doing. We weren't just looking for good games. We were also looking for ones that fit, you know, that kind of thematic connection. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm channeling my uh, my inner game show contestant. So uh, maybe I can use this as an audition tape for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or something. Or survive through the answers. I keep waiting to see you on Survivor, Josh. Is it going to happen? Hey, man, I'm making my sixth uh, my sixth application for that show next week. It's okay, now I have watched Survivor since probably season nine or ten, but I will watch. I will guarantee you that if you get on Survivor, I will come back. What season is it on now? Like fifty two or eighty nine or something? They're, they're forty right now. Season forty is all winners. I will watch if you can get back on. I I got off the wagon, but I will get back on it if you can get on there, Josh. And that is the Boudin Bowl. Our game time presented, of course, by Game Toppers LLC. Make your game nights, Josh, a showstopper when you play on a game topper. So, <clears throat> all right, board gamers, that's it for another episode of Gumbo Live. Hey, we got the great Barrier Reef card game out on Kickstarter right now. Josh, how can people reach out to you to talk to you about the card game, which is still on Kickstarter for another seven days? Uh, people can reach out to me all over the place. I mean, obviously they should go to Kickstarter and, and search for the Great Barrier Reef card game. They can find me at travelbuddygames.com. Uh, they can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter uh, at Travel Buddy Games. Keith, uh, this is your chance. You and Josh have got to work together pretty closely on the game. How did that go? You know, this is your chance to brag or to dish on, on uh, Josh. How did it go in the development of the game? No, it went really well. I mean, it's been a great experience. Uh, I and mean, the game is is pretty much intact from how it was submitted, which um, which is which is good. But I think the artwork that Josh got and um, just the way it's come together has been excellent. So, how can people reach out to you if they have any questions about the the Great Barrier Reef card game? Uh, probably oh, the best place. <laughs> yeah, probably the best place to contact me is on Twitter. It's uh, K Piggott Games. On Twitter, uh, that's it. All right, so. Make sure board gamers to, to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash board game. It gets us board game gumbo. It get it helps us get the word out about all of our upcoming shows, including some of the people that were in the chat crew tonight. Mick Fitch, Mick and Starler from our family plays games are going to be our guests next week. They are now part of the Dykes tower network doing some uh, stuff on board game breakfast. If I remember right, Steve, right? I think so. Yeah. So it'll be cool to visit with Mick and Starler to find out what they're doing. And until next time, Josh, Steve and Keith, See the world have fun. Thanks for listening. Gumbo Live is produced by BJ Rosa and the name father Steve O'Rourke with editing by Sean Jones. You can find more Board Game Gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. Board Game Gumbo is a proud member of Punchboard Media where you can find new audio podcasts, written reviews, videos, how to plays, and more at punchboardmedia.com. Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Until next time, les le bon temps roulés.